and welcome to Minute 30 of Season 3 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action movie Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again in order to finish off this week, week number six, is DJ Valentine, a.k.a. Hans Gruber, a.k.a. Uh, everyone else that he wants to... Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. That's this girl there, a.k.a. No, ah, die hard. Ah, thirty-three. Uh, stories, stories of a terror and adventure. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's running and, and screaming. <laughs> it's terror. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum and Die Hard would be amazing. That that would be the good. That's the only thing that can make that movie better. You just add Jeff Goldblum in there. Put him as Ellis. Oh, though I love the character the actor that plays Ellis. He's fantastic. But holy crap, could you see a scene where Hans is talking to Jeff Goldblum and he's talking about, uh, you know, I, I, E, where uh, I'm with it <laughs> or whatever the heck he's talking Ellis is talking about a high on cocaine. Jeff Goldblum negotiating with Hans Gruber. That would that, that's Oscar worthy material right there. That's, that's that's Emmys, Grammys. I don't care. EGOTs throw them at the movie. <laughs> hey, if it works, why not? Right. So, minute 30 begins with Takagi retorting in confusion and ends with Hans changing our perspective of everything that's really going on. Basically, it ends with Hans blowing our minds. Right. <laughs> and not just Takagi's. So, <laughs> that happens. That's next week. <laughs> that's next week. <laughs> now he does it figuratively. Figuratively, yeah. <laughs> How's that? So Takagi yesterday was was being shown this uh, this futuristic uh, computer screen embedded in in the um, in the console, and basically we get a uh, he he looks at it and is very confused that they want him to give him the the the, the daily cipher, you know, and he 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 screams at them, I don't have that code. You broke in here to access our computer? Any information you can get when they wake up in Tokyo in the morning, they'll change it. You won't be able to blackmail our executives, threaten our profit. Sit down, which I love. <laughs> and then he goes in this very, this was the hardest thing for me to do when I was doing the sketches. He goes to this low register of Mr. Takagi, I'm not, really not interested in your computer. And then he goes up, he goes, but I, but I need the code key. Because I am interested in the $640 million in the negotiable bearer bonds that you have locked in your vault. And the computer controls the vault. And then he goes, you want money? What kind of terrorists are you? <laughs> Who said we were terrorists? Which is fantastic. <laughs> yes, completely. I mean, this is, this is such a great uh, minute. Because it, it's completely dialogue driven. Yep. It's entirely, you know, we have an entire minute of the two of them having this conversation. You know, there's 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 a few seconds where things are happening in between, and obviously as they're talking, things things are going on. But but it's one of the first minutes in this entire movie where it's complete dialogue. Now you know, I'm not going to get the go go. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying there, there's no action going on here. No, no, no. It's all all chess 
verbal chess is pretty much what's happening in this scene. And uh, I'm not going to get to talk about it. Uh, you're going to probably talk about it next time. But when you do talk about talk about uh, the 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 business that Alan Rickman gets to do with that gun, it's so good. <laughs> it's yeah. very very good. I won't get to talk about it now. But yes, this this whole scene where it's it's a slow domino fall of horror <laughs> because it, it it's like a business meeting if you don't know what you're talking about. But man, it just slowly starts to devolve the way way the Kage gets it with again with the righteous indignation and he's just, he's trying to figure out what the Hans is about and Hans is like you're behind me I, I I'm not I don't care about any of that I'm out for what you really didn't even see coming I'm here to rob you yeah <laughs> I'm gonna take every bit of money you own and you didn't even see it coming this was almost I think he's laughing because this was almost too easy for him this yeah. this was easy Easier than he thought. He thought Takagi would know or be able to to figure out what was going on, and he couldn't figure it out to the last until it was too late. I, I, I love it so much. I love how Hans at that point has probably already made his decision. <laughs> he though he had it's again. I'm, I don't want to jump ahead, but uh, he does ask the old question later, but. You, I, I would think that he would have already asked him before that happened, or yeah. the whole situation with him and Takagi. But yeah, that's a... yeah, that's true. So, I mean, first of all, the, the the thing that always jumped out at me about this 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 conversation is that when Takagi says, you know, any information you can get get that you could get when they wake up in Tokyo in the morning, they'll change it. Now, do you know the time difference between L.A. and Tokyo? Many hours? I, I have no no idea. Okay, it's a sixteen hour time difference, which means that okay, how, what time do you think it is right now in LA? It's three hours before me, so it's probably one o'clock. No, 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 not what time it is right now. Oh, in the, right in the movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I'd say it's around. I'd say it's around eight o'clock ish. So it is the next morning, isn't it? <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, the okay. So so sunset was at four fifty. Really. Day. Yes. In the Los Angeles? Yes. It's remember it's December twenty twenty four. Oh, right, right, right. Because I'm like, dang, sunset here is like, you know, seven o'clock. That's what I'm thinking maybe he's only been there for maybe like an hour or thirty minutes. Something I'm thinking. So, so you're thinking it's around what, six o'clock? Five so o'clock? it's it, no. I'm assuming that right now we're about six thirty, maybe seven o'clock. Okay. That's 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 my assumption. You know, right. there's there's no way obviously of knowing exactly what time it is, but you know, let's say John got to Nakatomi when it was still dusk outside. So he got there about a quarter to five. Right. Okay. So let's say he was mingling a little bit. You know, it's probably even earlier. It probably is closer to six. Mm -hmm. Because you have John already running up the stairs and, you know, you know, trying to check things out. But he's he's I doubt he's running around for hours already. Mm -hmm. You know, let let's uh let let's assume that the, the truck came, let's say the truck came at five thirty, five forty five. Maximum because it was dark when the truck pulled up, pretty much. Kind yeah. of like the sun's yeah. had already set, so right. So, okay, let's let's assume it's seven o'clock right now. Okay, so if it's seven o'clock in LA, that means it's 11 a.m. in Tokyo. Yes, <laughs> all right. Look, so, it, they didn't do the logistics hmm. when they were putting the script <laughs> yes. together, yes. And depending on whether this takes place in 1988 or 1987 or 1989, so it's either. 
a Friday night or a Saturday night that this is all happening, which means that in Tokyo, it's either Sunday, Saturday morning or Sunday morning. There is no opening of anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. So it's he, could a been, he could have been bluffing. He could have known that and been bluffing. Right. He maybe thought that Hans would know that, though he shouldn't, <laughs> because Hans has proven at every conceivable moment that he's very, very intelligent. <laughs> yes, completely. <laughs> so um, Takagi mentions the, the the term blackmail. So what mm-hmm. what do you know about blackmail? Uh, it's essentially extorting somebody to do, making somebody do something by using extortion or something to that effect. Okay. So blackmail is the act of coercion using a threat of revealing or publicizing either substantially true or false information about a person or people unless certain demands are met. It is often damaging information and it may be revealed to family members or associates rather than to the general public. It's normally carried out for personal gain most most commonly of position, money, or property. Okay, it is a form of extortion of trying to take a person take personal property by threat of future harm. Blackmail is the use of threat to prevent another person from engaging in a lawful occupation and writing libelous letters or letters that prov- that provoke a breach of the peace, as well as use of intimidation for purposes of collecting an unpaid debt. Okay, in many jurisdictions, it's considered a statutory offense that carries punitive sanctions for convicted perpetrators. All right, the the origin of the word comes from a um, the Scottish borders, which it, it was it means payments rendered in exchange for protection from thieves, thieves and marauders. Hmm. That's okay. definitely extortion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 male part of it is meant as either rent or tribute. So this tribute was paid in goods or or labor, okay, um, which were known as uh, uh, nigri n i g r i, uh, which is the term for for black. So it's black male. Mm. You know, alternatively, it could be derived from two Scottish Gaelic words, which are uh, blat hatch, which means to protect, and mall, which means tribute or payment. That probably makes a little more sense. Right. You know, it's to protect your tribute or to uh, protection in order to get tribute or payment. Right. Um, it's sometimes referred to as a protection racket. But what is the, what do you think is the most common form of blackmail or extortion at this point in time, you know, in 2022? Uh, black, mm, I don't know. Let me know. Okay, sextortion. Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> which, which is very popular among people who are considered to have power or in a position of power in any field such as politics, education, or the workplace. Workplace. Okay, it is a form of blackmail where power is abused and used to extort sexual favors or images from someone in exchange for something the victim wants, needs, like a job or a grade. An example of this is a webcam blackmail. Oh, man. Okay. So in Dubai, okay, there were, there, in the last three years, there have been 2,606 crimes that, uh, that involve some sort of cyber form of blackmail. 
right? And that has a lot to do with the fact that there is much anonymity on the internet. And if you're able to steal someone's identity or reveal someone's identity, then you're able to, you know, find ways to uh, blackmail them along the way. Fun, fun, fun. See, tips tips for blackmailing for anybody who's... Breaking my webcam now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what is a bearer bond? You know, he mentions that there are $640 million in negotiable bearer bonds. Negotiable bearer bonds, yes. Explain that to me. I, I, I always thought it was like, it's not just money. It's bearer bonds. It's like, oh, I guess it can be used in every country. I, I Again, I, I have no idea, but I, I just know it's it's hefty stuff, but go ahead. Okay, well, first of all, how much do you think $640 million from 1988 is worth in 2022? I'd say $900 million. Okay, it is currently worth... One point five eight one billion dollars. So Hans is trying to steal one and a half billion dollars. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. That's for sure. It's not. It's so, not Austin Powers. This isn't one million. No. It's, <laughs> oh, that's it. That. Only a million dollars. There you go. <laughs> right. So a bearer bond is a bond or debt security issued by a business entity, such as a corporation or government. And it, it differs from, from other types of investment securities because it is unregistered. No records are kept of the owner or the transactions involved ownership. Uh, whoever physically holds the paper on which the bond is issued is the presumptive owner of the instrument. This is useful for investors who wish to remain anonymous. And I would add in the sign there or want to steal $640 million worth. Okay. Recovery of the value of a bearer bond in the event of a loss, theft, or destruction is usually impossible. Okay. The issuance, that's right. The issuance of new bearer bonds has been effectively outlawed in the U.S. since the 1980s due to their use, due to their use in illegal activities. But bearer bonds issued before this date can be redeemed if the issuer still exists. I did not know that. Yeah. Bearer bonds have been traced back as far as 1648, but there was a spike in popularity in the U.S. for these bonds during the Civil War as government resources were strained and limited. Okay. The main appeal of bearer bonds is anonymity, which has led them to to be the financial instrument of choice for money laundering, tax evasion, concealed (laughs) business transactions in general, and thefts by Hans Gruber. Uh, <laughs> makes now it makes a thousand percent more sense. <laughs> yeah, now, I never I never knew the reason for the why bearer bonds were so important. Perfect sense now. Yeah. All the bearer bonds issued in the U.S. Treasury have matured as of May 2016, meaning that there there are none that have still not matured, right? And the amount outstanding is still approximately 87 million dollars of of unredeemed bearer bonds, which means that. Uh, Apparently, this is a hint that Hans didn't get go through with what he needed to, because then they would say that there's more hundred more than six hundred and forty million missing. Right. Oh, actually, it wouldn't the truth is it wouldn't be missing because you know they they, they were destroyed, so you know no one would even look for them. Somebody got away with them. Uh, I, I don't know. If, not if they think you're dead. Uh huh. Um, hmm. Right. We never saw him land. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Putting it out there. There you go. That's true. That's true. 
And as this whole conversation is going on, so Takagi starts getting a little more suspicious about what's going on. And he's, he's really confused because he knows he has these $640 million of bear bonds. So again, as much as I love Takagi, mm-hmm. it does sound as if something nefarious is really going on here. Or he is in charge of a company where everybody in the company is nefarious. I don't, I don't, I don't want to see Takagi as being corrupt. I think he runs a corrupt company. Or, you know, he could be a figurehead of a corrupt company. I, that, that's kind of how... Because he does mention blackmail, which makes me think... He, he, and he probably knows some of the other executives. I mean, look at Ellis all the way up. Are probably on, you know, into some dirty stuff. Yeah. Hmm. If the Kagi's dirty, it, it it changes a lot. So I kind of yeah. want to... I kind of want to think that... Because remember, it's not called the Takagi Corporation. It's the Nakatomi Corporation. So he might just be an exec that worked his way up of a corrupt company. He right. might have had to bend some rules. It, again, you can make a Takagi movie, man. That's what I'm telling you. There's so much, there's so much meat there. But again, we talked about Darth Vader a couple <laughs> before. <laughs> and how much giving me more information makes it worse. So maybe I should just... The anonymity is better. Yeah. <laughs> right. So then uh, Takagi basically says, what kind of terrorists are you? And so I decided to look up what, what a terrorist is. What do, what do you think a terrorist is? Any, any tries to get uh, to, uh, to essentially uses violence to further their political or political aspirations or something to that effect. Okay, well, first of all, before I read what it is, you got one thing really wrong there by saying that they use violence. They use the threat of violence. Threat of violence. Sorry. That's the threat one. of right. violence. Exactly. Okay, so terrorism in its broadest sense is the use of violence and fear to achieve an ideal, ideological aim. The term is used in this regard primarily to refer to in, intentional violence during peacetime or in the context of war against non-combatants most mostly civilians. The term terrorist and terrorism originated during the French Revolution of the late 18th century, but became widely used internationally and gained worldwide attention in the 1970s during the Northern Ireland conflict, the Basque conflict, and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. The increased use of suicide attacks from the 80s onward was typified by the 2001 September 11th attacks in the United States. Okay, so... Uh, according to the global terrorism database that is maintained in the University of Maryland, okay, they have recorded more than 61,000 incidents of terrorism resulting in, in at least 140,000 deaths just between 2000 and 2014. Jeez. Yeah, seriously. And I, I have a lot more information about it, but I don't think we really need to go into, uh, you know, we, we want to end this week on a, on a, on a nice note, uh, not a... Uh, Right. But I mean, first of all, I love the way that, that they reveal to us that these villains are not terrorists. They reveal it early on. And they, they reveal think... it they reveal it to us. No one else knows. Right. You know, I, I, I like when movies do that. When they when they, they trust the audience enough to tell them something early on if you're paying attention. I mean you have to be paying attention to to to, to grasp these type of things. Right. Because otherwise, you know, it would take longer for you to, to 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 really figure it all out, like and, like and, like John, you know. John doesn't. I mean, spoiler alert. He doesn't know until late. Yeah. <laughs> late in this movie. Yes. So yeah, the only person that knows is probably Takagi. Correct. <laughs> and I guess Ellis. <laughs> I, 
I guess. <laughs> because because Ellis is is in on the whole thing. Is that what you're saying? I didn't say that. They they had to have known somehow that this building had six hundred and forty million dollars in bear bonds. Who told them that information? Huh? Could it be a coked up executive that accidentally spilled the beans? Could it be? Could it? Could it? Could it? That, could that's it? pretty good. I, I I never even thought about that one. Maybe he accidentally did it. Maybe he just you know was running his mouth and uh, he's got a strip club or something and then one of the well, Carl was there or something and he gave or Hans or something because they they had to have known they kept they had to know they had that which could have been in Forbes I guess their the net worth but then they would have to know unless Theo knew or figured it out that they kept it in the building somebody right. had to tell them that. So where they get that's not in Forbes magazine. Somebody who was working for Nakatomi must have told them that, or they got it from somebody from who was working in Nakatomi. Right. I don't know. That that uh, you you've left left us all with something to ponder over the weekend. I figured uh, it's Theo. And for I much think longer. Theo might be the I think <laughs> Theo might be the connection. Theo knows a lot about that safe, so he might know that. He he's kind of the go between. He's not a he's not a, a mercenary like the other, like Vigo and the rest of those guys or Carl. And he's not Hans, who he can't. Hans is too classy to be in those kind of circles to find an Ellis or something like that. But Theo's kind of right in the middle, where he could maybe gain, gain that information from somebody, some contact at Nakatomi, and give it to give it to Hans. Okay, I like that. That, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But or or maybe let's go back here. Maybe it's John Larroquette who told him. John Larroquette, again, he was a lawyer in New York City, okay? And Harry Harry uh, was really hard on him in Night Court. So, I mean, Marky Post was doing her own thing. Bull Shannon. You got to get money somehow. I'm not, he does, he's not going to be a desk operator the whole time. Maybe he gets a cut, and then Carl double-crossed him. Bam, two points. This is $640 million. Theo was there, too. So, you know. Yeah, it's true. It's a good point. <laughs> All right. We, we'll, guys, we'll leave. we don't know anything. We're just making... We're, we're... <laughs> John Larroquette was not a diehard, damn it. <laughs> These are all you know, presumptions. When they, when, they, when, they, when they have the – you know that they're, they're, they're apparently making a, uh, a reboot of Night Court uh, for the <laughs> like, TV show, which I, I don't know. I, I don't know how they're going to do because because uh, at least three of the main characters – the main actors oh, are dead. Yeah. You know, yes, exactly. you, you, we no longer have Harry Anderson. We no longer have uh, Marky Post, and we also Marky no longer Post have um, – uh, what's his name? Uh, the the The, the – the clerk. Oh, the the bail. Yeah, the clerk. Yeah, he's gone too. Yeah, damn. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember his name. Uh, uh, it's sure. like Charles or something like that. Al or something. I forget his name, but yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Something. Something. It looks like, like that. Keith David, but he's not Keith David. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I can I can see him. I, I can like picture him right now. I'm trying you to remember, I, 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 I'm trying to hear Harry say his name, but I can't. <laughs> I can't pull it. But yeah, yeah. Mac. Like, Mac? I, I don't Is know how Mac? they're doing a night court spinoff. Is his name Mac? Mac. It's Mac. Mac. Yeah, yeah. Charles Charles Robinson. There you go. I, yeah. I said we were close. So yeah, Charles and Robinson. So it's going to be like a remake with John Larroquette and Richard Mole. <laughs> I don't know. And Roz. Roz. No, Roz, oh, Roz. Mole and and Dan. That's the whole show. Yeah. Well, well, Roz is not there either. Right. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're talking about Marshall Warf- Warfeld. I think yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. Uh, Selma or. Uh, uh, what was what was the first one's name? Oh, I can't remember I her name. The older lady. Yeah, she gone too. Yeah, she was this is sort of to a night court retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? For a guy who's not anywhere 
are associated with Die Hard. If we're talking about <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre, then we could get into John Larroquette because at least he's in kind of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but why not? You know, it's, it's still fun. <laughs> All right, you have anything else you want to say before we get into the, the script? Uh, no, go ahead. All right, so the, the script, a few minor uh, discrepancies. So it says uh, Theo sits, fingers poised over the keyboard. Hans sits opposite. Takagi stands like the accused at the foot of the, of the table, has just read the screen, blurts, I don't have that code. You broke in here to access our computer. Any information you could get, they wake up in Tokyo in the morning, they'll change it. You won't be able to blackmail, blackmail our executives or threaten. Hans barks him to silence. Sit down. Takagi complies. Hans is abruptly compassionate and quiet. And then Mr. Mr. Takagi, I'm not interested in your computer. I'm interested in the $64 million in negotiable bearer bonds you have in your vault. And then it shows Takagi's reaction. Hans, yes, I know about them. The code key is a necessary step in accessing the vault. You want money? What kind of terrorists are you? Who said we are terrorists? So I like the fact that he acknowledges here in the script that they, yes, they know about them. Because once again, it, it makes it seem as if something very nefarious is going on here. Right. You know, Why would they keep all their money in one place? I guess that's the most secured vault in the world, probably. Um, like five, the, only the FBI. Because, because they have a them. daily cipher key. Come on. And they have a, a connected to the freaking power grid. So yeah, better than Fort Knox. No, uh, that's a that's a different Die Hard movie. That's not Die Hard. Rob City Hole. <laughs> that's, that's what I remember from Die Hard with a vengeance. Yeah. Kid on a bike. <laughs> yes. All right. So every Friday we have a surprise segment where you know there, there's a very big debate. Uh, over the internet, around the world, about Die Hard. Is Die Hard considered a Christmas movie or not? So what do you think, DJ? Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, provide, uh, how do you say it? Um, you know, uh, explain your answer properly. <laughs> I've, I've ranted about this on the show before uh, many, many times. If you don't think Die Hard is a Christmas movie, you're not even a, uh, you're not Amer- You're not even Christian. I don't know what's wrong with you. Okay, everything in this. Well, I'm not Christian. Getting- so. Fine, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you're a heathen. If you don't think this is a Christmas. Hey, hey, movie. hey, hey, hey! I didn't say. I, I didn't say I don't think it's a Hebrew. I, I didn't say that I don't think it's a Christmas movie. I just said hey, that. It, I'm not putting expressions on you. I must put it. If you don't think Die Hard's a Christmas movie, something's wrong with you. <laughs> not something's <laughs> wrong with Die Hard. Okay, something's okay. wrong with you. Okay, okay. okay? Everything in this movie from beginning to end, the whole movie. I told you this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it a Hallmark film about a cop separated from his wife who goes across country and through extenuating circumstances gets his wife back during the holiday season. You wouldn't call that a Christmas movie? Because that's exactly what happens in Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> and mean, they have presents. And they have, the, they have the, wrapping the, paper. The, gun, the Beretta to his back says season's greetings on it. The song of the joy is the damn score of the movie. <laughs> Everything in this movie is dire. Hans keeps bringing up Christmas. It's the seasons of miracles, Theo. So be of good cheer. Tell me when you get through the third block. Everything has to do with Christmas. Everything. It's a Christmas movie. That's because it's not snowing. 
I don't know why people think it's like, there's no there's, there's, people get shot. It's, it's in L.A. They don't have Christmas in L.A. Kiss my no. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Again, <laughs> if you don't think Die Hard is a Christmas movie, look yourself in the mirror and slap your own face. It's a Christmas movie. It's as much as a Christmas movie as uh, Home Alone, which I freaking hate, or Christmas Story, which I freaking love. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. They use a gun in the Christmas Story. Is anybody confused that Ralphie is on a Christmas movie? No. Okay? Red, he shoots his own eye out. Okay? And they think it's a Christmas movie. Why can't John McClane shoot Hans's eye out? That's what he does. All right? So it's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. Everything you've mentioned for the we're doing minute by minute, and you've met it mentioned Christmas trees on desks and Ode to Joy and Holiday Cheer and all that stuff. And minute by minute, so you can imagine if you take all those minutes and put them together, how much Christmas there's probably more per capita Christmas stuff going on in Die Hard than any other Christmas movie you've ever seen. And I'm just including the freaking Hallmark Channel. I'm including the Miracle on Thirty uh, Fourth Street. Miracle on Thirty Fourth. I'm including put them all together. Every time I walk, they're playing Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC as he drives up to the freaking Nakatomi Tower. It's one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time. And, and that, is, and is, that is my intro music. Exactly. That's a, they, if this wasn't a Christmas movie, why would they play it? Play something else. It, 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 this, this is Christmas music. The whole freaking – John Larroquette is in this movie. He's, <laughs> he's practicing Santa Claus. He played Santa Claus on an episode of Night Court. I remember it. Okay? There you go. So, yeah, That's it's, a, it's, a, it's a Christmas movie. I, I, no. You don't have to try and convince me. I, I haven't told you what I think, but you know, you have to wait until the final episode to hear what I have to think about that. But you know, I don't I, have I, to wait. I know, I know deep in your heart of hearts, Rob. If you look into your soul, but why are you right. why are you taking it from the perspective that 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 I'm anti that? That's not true. I'm not taking it. From I want like you. I know. I, I'm asking you know. to give your opinion. That's it. It's not even a. This is not an opinion. Okay, this is not an opinion. This is a cold hard. Stone lock fact, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Might as well call it Christmas and Die Hard, all right? Every other Die Hard movie that doesn't involve Christmas is lesser. Why do you think that is? Because Christmas is essentially the lifeblood of Die Hard. It is the oxygen in which John McClane and Hans Gruber breathe. <laughs> Die Hard Revengeance is excellent, but it's lesser because it's just New York in the summertime. It's just, it was a script that they took and they put John McClane in it. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Hans is the Grinch. John McClane is Santa Claus. It's, 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 it, it writes itself. Her name, Rob, her name is Holly. That's right. Her name is freaking right. Holly. Okay. But what again, DJ, you're, 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 you're bringing this to the point where you're making this sound as if I'm... I'm not talking to you directly. I'm just saying I'm just, <laughs> you're just there. You're, you're like co-signing. You're, I'm talking to the audience. I'm talking to you. Look, 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 you, you, you. Look at me. Right? Look, 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 look at me. Look at me. Look, look at me. You're, this is not a visual medium, but look at me. It's a Christmas movie. Whoever right. told you it wasn't a Christmas movie, they're wrong. They're liars. They're lying to you. They're lying. They're not. If there was your teacher, your teacher's wrong. Go to another school. If it was your parents, disown your parents like Gary Old, Gary Coleman. Just be somebody else. Your people are lying to you. It's a Christmas movie. I, I when I got when here's a little story, okay? Here's a little story. When I was nine years old, I asked my mother, please, please, because I was nine. Can I please see Die Hard? Please. You don't have to buy me anything for Christmas because this is a rated R movie. There's a lot of violence and there's nudity. It came out in July. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if, the point was, if you take me to see Die Hard, you don't have to buy me anything for Christmas. I begged her. I begged, It was like my Christmas. I, it would be my Christmas gift. And she took me to see Die Hard, and I was, I was, I was, I was amazed. It, it shook my world. It changed my life. It made me fall in love with film. And I still got Christmas gifts. Now, if that's not a Christmas miracle, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. That's great, DJ. So on that note, why don't you tell people how they can get in touch with you or get in touch with your mom so that she, you know, if they're, if they have an eight year old that wants to go see an R rated movie. Look, if you want to get in touch with my mother, <laughs> we're going to have some words, okay? Um, Diane Valentine is a saint. Uh, no, you can find me as trying to be DJV on Twitter. Uh, you can find the, the show that I'm on, the Simplistic Reviews podcast. Just search Simplistic Reviews on YouTube, Stitcher, TuneIn, all that good stuff. And uh, you can listen to us uh, argue about it. We don't even argue about it because everybody on my show, I, that's a prerequisite to be on the Simplistic Reviews podcast. If you don't think Dyer is a Christmas movie, you're fired. <laughs> so, yeah. What are you, Trump? All right. Well, no, we're not going there. We're not going there. We're not going there. Man, I, I, I can't. Which one? I don't know which one is worse at this point. This <laughs> man and Donald Trump—they're both pretty bad. But if you don't, if you don't, if you don't have it in your heart of hearts that Die Hard is a Christmas movie, I think lesser of you. I literally think lesser. I think I'm. Bad. I'm like Hans, like laughing at you. Who, who, who do you think you are? <laughs> who do you think you are? <laughs> Alright, great. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for a movie around minute. You can find me on Twitter, you can find me on Facebook, or you can go to my website, movieroundminute.com. So everyone have a great weekend. We will be back on Monday with a completely new guest who will have different opinions than DJ does, possibly, or maybe the same ones. We'll have to wait and see. But we will have some some great episodes where we will continue, but we will we unfortunately won't have any more Hans Gruber uh, imitations. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that to be the unique part of having DJ on our show. So thank you very much for being on DJ. This has been a very fun week. <laughs> now I have a machine gun. There you go. Ho, ho, ho. ho, ho. <laughs> All right. And we'll see everyone and we'll see everyone on Monday. So until then, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay.